0: Jesus was in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, what, what uh, a wilderness Jesus was in. I, you know, our, our troubles, our difficulties pale in comparison to what Jesus went through. And uh, he was tempted by the evil one as no one else has been tempted. Somebody once said that the person who has the, the greatest experience of temptation is the person who doesn't give in, right? They resist all the way through the temptation to the victory. And so Jesus did that, um, but he was accused um, after that in his earthly ministry. And I think Satan was behind that too. Uh, he was ridiculed on the cross. Satan was behind that too. Uh, And you see that same program happening in the book of Acts as people oppose the work of the apostles. Can I tell you, as God begins to work and move, expect the opposition of the evil one. Um, Nehemiah uh, is experiencing some opposition. He is rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. And those who are around him to the north, to the east, to the south, even to the west with the Philistines, uh, they are opposing him on every side. Uh, they've come against him to ridicule him and to uh, make fun of him and the workers who are working on the wall, and they're trying to discourage them. They're trying to, to do a verbal campaign to oppose the work that's being done because they want it to stop. And because he has the uh, approval of the Persian king, there's really nothing they can do politically to get it stopped. So they're trying to intimidate, they're trying to ridicule and discourage through their speech. So we need to uh, rely upon the Lord and take these kinds of things to God in prayer when they come our way, and that's exactly what Nehemiah did. Uh, And we need to uh, trust God to be with us in times of spiritual accusation and opposition. Now, uh, some opposition comes, I believe, without another human being, right? The enemy can place an accusation in our minds, uh, and sometimes we can come up with them all on our own, can't we? We can have self-talk that's negative, uh, but a lot of times I think these kinds of things that we're going to look at today, when you're hearing these kinds of things, whether you're hearing it from a person or whether you're hearing it in your mind because the enemy is, is playing games with you, you need to understand what the source is and address it through prayer and through uh, asking God to sustain you in your trust and in your perseverance in serving the Lord. So the title of my message is Overcoming Spiritual Accusations, because even though these were human beings, I believe the devil was behind this opposition uh, that was taking place. And so look with me at uh, Nehemiah 4 and verse 1, and uh, we'll read on through verse 5. It says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burned stones back to life in the mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Ammonite who was beside him said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they are building, he would break down their stone wall. Listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have angered the builders. So overcoming spiritual accusations. How do you maintain an attitude of faith when the enemy is discouraging you? Well, first of all, you keep restoring uh, uh, your heart and working despite the enemy's accusations about your weakness, okay? So uh, how, do you, how do you maintain that attitude of faith? Keep trusting God uh, and despite the fact that, he, that others are attacking your weakness or the enemy is attacking your weakness. He says, what are these pathetic Jews doing? Verse 2. The word pathetic uh, is a is a uh, Hebrew word that basically means uh, weak, uh, frail, unable. And, and there, in some ways, this was the case, right? Because they're just a shell of the people they once were. Uh, most of the people have been taken off into captivity. And according to Jeremiah, the very worst ones were the ones who were left in the land. So uh, they are a shell of the city that they used to be. But as we talked about this morning, God doesn't need strong people to accomplish his mission, right? He works through the weaknesses of his people. And so God is helping them accomplish this. But listen, one of the strategies of the enemy is to remind you of your weakness. Who are you to think you could accomplish fill in the blank? Who are you to think you can make a difference for God? How do you think with all your failure? And with all your weakness, that you could ever do something significant for God. Have you ever had those thoughts? Identify them. Where they're coming from, they're coming from the enemy. Because your weakness plus God's power equals sufficiency every time. (laughs) Okay? Uh, So it's like uh, you you could have Pee Wee Herman uh, trying to lift a huge amount of weight. But if he's got Arnold Schwarzenegger with him, it doesn't matter how weak he is. Arnold can lift the weight, right? I mean, you've seen it in the movies, right? One-handed, he can do it. So, uh, it doesn't matter how weak you are or how weak I am. If we have an omnipotent God with us, we can win the victory every single time. So, the enemy will accuse you about your weakness. Another thing he will do is accuse you about your brokenness. Um, he says, can they restore it by themselves? Um, you're, the idea is you're, you're too broken to ever accomplish uh, what needs to be accomplished. By themselves, they're saying, hey, you're not enough. You're, uh, you're broken. And they were broken. They were broken. They were a disgraced people. They had sinned against God. Uh, They had been judged by God. The city was a a devastation. The temple had been rebuilt, but everything else was pretty much a devastation. And so uh, they were broken. But praise God, he raises up broken people and uses them. (laughs) Um, I think about the woman at the well. Jesus is is standing there, and she's coming there because she's disgraced and doesn't want to see the other women because she she knows what they're thinking about her, and so she comes up by herself to talk to Jesus, and Jesus begins to have a conversation with her, and he shows love to her, and before long she's going to get the townspeople to come here. Jesus, come here, a man that told me everything I ever did, and they come and they begin to be they're changed. The town is changed, and this woman is changed. What about Mary Magdalene, inhabited by seven demons? I'd say that's a pretty bad situation to be in, a pretty broken situation to be in. But Jesus raised her up. He set her free, and he gave her hope in the future. The demoniac was the same way, right? Uh, He's he's cutting himself with stones. He's running around naked among the tombs. And uh, Jesus comes, and with a word, Every demon has to flee, and this demoniac is set free, and he becomes an itinerant proclaimer of what Jesus has done for him, <laughs> and, uh, and God uses him. He was broken, but God lifted him up. God restored him. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Uh, I praise God that he uses sinful, broken people because we all are sinful and broken. Amen? Uh, And so, um, yes, yeah. can you guys do it? Really? Is is this the best God has to work with? You bunch of uh, people with all your hang-ups, is is this the best God has? Could you do it? With him we can. Amen? So, uh, the enemy will accuse you about your brokenness. He'll say, you're in no shape to do this. But with our God, all things are possible. So he'll accuse us about uh, your weakness. He'll accuse you about your weakness. He'll accuse you about your brokenness. He'll accuse you about your futility. Verse 2. Will they, ever, will they offer sacrifices? Now you can take this one or two ways. Uh, often the prophets of God would call upon the Lord to help them in a time of, of need and, and, and they would offer a sacrifice and they would pray and they would call upon God to work on their behalf if you take it this way these sacrifices are being offered in prayer to God that God would bless the process and so w- will they offer sacrifices in other words you really think your prayers are going to do any good you ever thought that identify it you know where it's coming from it's coming from the evil one um, our prayers are powerful and uh, the enemy is thwarted through the prayers of God's people. It, it's amazing what God will do as God's people pray. If we pray together, if we pray as a unified body of believers, it is amazing what God can do through the prayers of his people. Uh, we, we can see God move mountains uh, just through a little mustard seed of faith, right? Uh, so what about the people of God as a whole praying. It, it's a powerful thing. Um, another way to take this would be that the sacrifices would be offered in celebration of the completion of the wall. In this case, they're saying, hey, what? are you really going to offer sacrifices? Come on, you and I both know you're not going to finish this wall. This is just a futile proposition. Uh, the enemy will try to discourage you and tell you that what you're doing can't be done. It's futile. You might as well just give up. You've not made any progress. You're not going to make any progress. Just give up. That's what the enemy tries to tell us. It's a futile thing for you to try to pray, for you to try to do the work of God. Why don't you quit? You ever have those thoughts? Identify it. (laughs) Recognize where it's coming from. Uh, and, And by the way, this is worth mentioning. Did you know the enemy can use other Christians? I'll give you a case in point. Peter says to Jesus, Jesus says the Son of Man is going to be uh, uh, crucified and he's going to be lifted up and so forth. Peter says, Far be it from you, Lord, for this to happen. and, And he starts to argue with Jesus. And Jesus says what? Get behind me, Satan. Now, did Jesus love Peter? Yes, Did Peter love Jesus? Yes. Was Peter a believer? Yes. But he was an instrument of the evil one. I don't think he intended to be. Sometimes the words of other people who love you can be used by the enemy to discourage you. And so... uh, recognize when you're hearing these kinds of things, recognize where it's coming from. All right, so the enemy will accuse you about your weakness, your brokenness, your futility, your slowness. Uh, my translation says, will they ever finish it? Uh, the Hebrew literally says, will they build it in a day? <laughs> They're kind of making fun of, me. you You guys think you're going to really get this done? The enemy will speak in our ears. You're not. It's not happening quick enough. uh, Quickly enough. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen in the timetable where it needs to happen. You might as well give up. And he does everything he can to try to discourage us. And so, um, guess what? God's time is always right. There's a evangelist who used to say, "The wheels of God grind exceeding slow, but they grind exceeding fine." God may have delays in our lives and the enemy may, may accuse us and, and say, hey, you're not getting things done. But it could be it's just not God's time. And when the time is right, God will bring the blessing. Did you know God knows what you and I can handle and what we can't? I'm glad God says no to some of my prayers because I, sometimes I don't have the sense to pray for the right thing. Um. Have you ever asked for something and then years later down the road you thought, "Boy, I'm so glad God didn't do that." <laughs> you know, uh, I'm grateful God didn't answer that prayer. And uh, but God, God will sometimes delay things so He can prepare us for the answer to the prayer that we're asking. And so, uh, of course, Nehemiah and the people finished the wall in record time, but uh, this is this is an attempt. To discourage them, saying, hey, you're not making enough progress. It's an it's attempt to discourage. So, um, the enemy will accuse you about your weakness, your brokenness, your futility, your slowness, your lack. Uh, verse 2 says, can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mountains of rubble? Uh, these limestones, um, things that they were using... Nebuchadnezzar had burned the city with fire, so some of these places were probably weakened and unusable. But there was probably a good amount of it that was still usable. But they're saying, really? You're going to rebuild a wall from this? And I mean, if you looked around, it probably didn't look too encouraging. There was a bunch of rubble everywhere you looked. But, uh, of course, God had supplied uh, materials for the building of the wall uh, to Nehemiah, as we read about earlier. And they were probably using some of these, these limestones as well. Uh, they're saying, hey, you don't have what it takes to get the job done. You don't have the resources. How are you going to get this done? This is, this is something that is being said to them to discourage them. You don't have what it takes. Have you ever had that thought come in your mind? Identify it. Okay, <laughs> It's the enemy... Oftentimes speaking into our hearts and minds, trying to discourage us, you don't have the gift in it. who are you to think you could serve God? you don't have the gifts you don't have the resources okay uh, I like uh Amos, I believe it's Amos He says it says I, I i'm neither a prophet nor the son of the prophet, but God's called me to be to speak for him you know uh he says, I've got no qualifications. You know, my daddy wasn't a prophet. I'm not a prophet. But God told me I needed to say something. Somebody might say, well, Amos, why do you think you could possibly speak for God? Uh, you don't have any credentials. Can I tell you something? God's power doesn't depend on credentials. There's nothing wrong with going to school, and I'm all for it. I, I think uh, it, it's better to study to show yourself approved unto God if you can. But, uh when I, was, when I was 10 and my dad surrendered to ministry, and I didn't know this at the time, but he felt so inadequate that sometimes he would spend the night in fasting and prayer, in desperation, calling out upon God. Now, I can't remember a whole lot of what he said back then, but I do remember the power. I remember God speaking to me and and uh, and drawing me to faith. And I mentioned this morning about coming to faith in Christ. I think that was no accident, and God was working and moving in that place. And guess what? My dad didn't have a degree. God can use people that don't have a degree. They can. <laughs> and uh, he since has. He's he since uh, he since gone to school got one. But. Uh, Listen, God's not limited by those things. Who did, who did Jesus call? Well, you know, Matthew might have had a little bit of education because he was a tax collector, but most of them were fishermen. Chances are they were not uh, advanced scholars. <laughs> uh, Paul was. I mean, Paul was definitely a scholar, but, but most of the disciples of Jesus were not, they were ordinary men. Uh, it, matter of fact when they stood before the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts the guys the Sanhedrin the people were, were they were shocked they took note that these were unschooled and ordinary men but they had been with Jesus listen I want to tell you something if you've been with Jesus he can use you <laughs> and uh, these men turned the world Upside down. Don't let the devil tell you about your lack. One scripture verse says, uh, Do you not know that your father delights to give you the kingdom? Can I tell you something? If you know Jesus Christ tonight, you're a son or a daughter of the living God who delights to give you the kingdom. As you call upon him and you ask him, do you think he can't provide your need? I love the story about going fishing. Jesus, uh, he sends Peter. He said, hey, we've got a pair of tacks. You go fish, you know, the fish you bring up. Look at the first one you catch, and there'll be a coin in the mouth. You know, I've gone fishing many times. I've never caught a fish with a coin in his mouth. But Peter went out fishing, and the first fish he brought up, there was a coin in the mouth. It was the exact amount they needed for the tax. God can't provide our needs. What about this? You remember 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children, hearing Jesus preach on the mountainside and they were hungry. Jesus says to the disciples, Go get them some food. Are you kidding, Jesus? There are 5,000 men plus women and children here. We, we can't even find the food. Even if we had the money, we can't even find that amount of food here. What are you talking about here? And this little boy comes up with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus takes it. And every... Every last one of them eat their fill, and there are 12 baskets full left over. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We serve a living God. He can supply our needs. Don't worry about your lack. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that you don't have the resources and you don't have the ability to do what it takes to fulfill the calling of God upon your life. So overcoming spiritual accusations, well, the enemy will try to accuse you about your weakness, your brokenness, your futility, your slowness, your lack, your vulnerability. Verse 3, then Tobiah the Ammonite who was beside him said, indeed, if even a fox climbed up on what they're building, he would break down their stone wall. My kids and I, when when they were little, we would build these towers out of Legos. And uh, Megan called them a tall. Daddy, can we build a tall? You know, and we'd get down on the floor and we'd, we'd build these things. And then uh, David would come over and he'd go, like that, and knock it down. That's what I think of when I, when I read that verse. <laughs> if even a fox jumps up on this wall, it's just going to be turned to rubble. But, you know, it's all your work will be in vain. Uh, you might as well give up. As you do the work of God, you're vulnerable. We can get to you anytime we want. Who do you think you are? How do you think things are going to go for you when the devil starts coming for you? You ever had those kind of thoughts? Identify it. Coming from the evil one. You're too vulnerable to serve God. Okay, isn't it amazing how he gives you so many different reasons why you can't trust God and why you can't do the work that God has called you to do? I like the story of Elijah. Actually, I love the story of Elijah, where uh, he's he is uh, doing some things the king doesn't like, and so uh, the king sends fifty men to apprehend him. First of all, that's kind of funny in and of itself. You gotta you gotta have fifty warriors. arrest one old prophet. Okay? But he sends 50 men. And Elijah's just kind of sitting up on the top of his house, and he says, well, he says, if I'm a prophet of God, may fire come from heaven and consume you. Whoosh! 50 crispy critters. So, the king king sends another 50. Same thing happens. Whoosh! Finally, by the time the king sends the third 50, I'm, I'm I think I'd be getting out of, I'd be AWOL, you know. But the king, the king sends the third 50, and the leader of the third 50 gets down on his knees, and he says, please spare our lives, Elijah, and, you know, and, and please don't, don't kill us like you did the other hundred. Um, and so uh, God tells Elijah, okay, it's safe now to go with them. So Elijah gets down, and he goes with them and talks to the king and everything. But Elijah's protected. One old man against 150 of the king's best troop. And, and who survives and thrives in the middle of it? It's Elijah. And it just shows you the great power of our God. Um, is God able to protect us? I, I remember the story of Corrie ten Boom. She's in the Nazi concentration camp for protecting Jews and uh, hiding Jews in her home. And she said that they would get together and they would worship in, the, in the, the barracks where they stayed. And the guards wouldn't come in there because of all the lice. She said, we used to thank God for the lice because it meant that the soldiers would not come in and discover us. Could God use some lice to protect you? <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you something. Our God is creative, and He He is able to protect His people. It's it's amazing what He can do. Um, uh, I've had some couple of you have shared this story with me, and I've heard it elsewhere too about the missionaries who um, uh, heard the drum beats of the natives who had threatened them and were fearful that they were going to come take their life in the middle of the night. And little did they know that uh, they had some people at home that were suddenly very burdened to pray for them. And they got down on their knees, and they were praying for these missionaries. And the natives never attacked them. Later on, they lead the head of this tribe to Christ, and he says... uh, uh, they, and they asked him, they said, why didn't you kill us that night that you you, you had threatened us and you told us you were going to kill us? Why didn't you kill us? And he said, well, he, he said, you had warriors guarding your house. She said, no, we didn't. He said, yes, you did. You were huge warriors. And it was exactly the number of people that were praying for them was the number of warriors that were stationed around their house. I believe there were angelic warriors that God sent to protect his people. Listen, God is able to protect them, And if he doesn't, we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last Wednesday night. But even if he doesn't, O oh king, we will not bow. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you suffer persecution for Christ, you need to rejoice because great is your reward in heaven. And you're going to be rewarded for it one day. And the reward you will get cannot complete. Uh, even be compared to the, the trouble that you're having here. This trouble here is light and momentary affliction and it's not worthy to be compared to the glory, the eternal weight of glory that is yet to come. But our God is able. We're not vulnerable. Nothing can touch us outside the permission of God and if He permits it, He'll use it for our good. Is that not a good deal? So uh, the enemy will attack us and accuse us about our weakness, our brokenness, our futility, our slowness, our lack, our vulnerability, your worthlessness. Listen, look at verse 4. Listen, our God, for we are despised. We are despised. Have you ever been despised? Have you ever had somebody treat you like you're worthless? I heard James Dobson one time. uh, He was a a kid and on the school bus, and he was with some older kids. And one of them said, "Why are you talking to us? Go over there. We don't want to talk to you." And 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 he left, and he went to the to the back of the bus, and he was just shattered by it. But his dad later encouraged him. uh, But. All of us have probably had the experiences like that at one time or another where somebody despised us. Uh, The enemy will try to tell us how worthless we are, how insignificant we are. And the implication is, if you're this worthless and insignificant, how could you ever make a difference for the kingdom of God? It's a discouragement tactic. But can I tell you something? You're not worthless. Listen, I found out how much you got to pay to get an automobile (laughs) this week. (laughs) Felt like I had to mortgage my firstborn to get it done. You know what I'm saying? Um, The value of something is determined by what it costs to own it, right? You know what what it costs? for Jesus to purchase you his own blood don't tell me you're worthless there's nothing more valuable than the blood of Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only son take that world out of there and put your name in it for God so loved you that he sent his only son that's how we what about this Ephesians 2 says we are his workmanship. I love it. The word in Greek is poema, and it means we are the result of what he has done. The craftsman of the universe, the one who put the, the galaxies together. We were talking about that a few minutes ago. The one who put all that together. He is the one who designed you and created you. And so uh, don't let the enemy attack you about your worthlessness. You are wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made. As God looked at all the creation, and He created man last, and He said it. He He looked and said it is very good. And so that's God's heart toward you. So don't let uh, Satan accuse you, and uh, bring those things to God in prayer. That's what Nick. Had, that's what. Uh, uh, Nehemiah did. Nehemiah saw these accusations that were being made and he said, okay, Lord, this is what they're saying. Now, Lord, you take care of it. And, Lord, we, we bring these things to you. We, we bring, if you're overwhelmed by your weakness, bring it to Jesus. If you're overwhelmed by the lack of what you have, bring it to Jesus. Uh, whatever may be your source of discouragement, bring it to Jesus. And you can overcome these spiritual attacks that come against you. Um, Many in this world will tear you down. But Jesus will lift you up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing encouragement, Lord, that you can bring to us um, through our time with you, through your word, through your people. Father, help us identify when the enemy is speaking in our ears or whether he's using a person or whether he's just implanting a thought. But God, we ask that you would help us to identify it uh, and to uh, stand against it, to to lift up the shield of faith and to to, uh, quote what your word says about us, God, uh, so that we can resist the work he's trying to do. And Father, help us take those steps of obedience we need to take to fulfill your plans for our lives, God. Help us not turn to the right or to the left. Help us persevere on, regardless of the trouble we may face. And let us do it all to the glory of our great God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.